Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Good to see everyone this morning. Praise God. You know, I want to share something real quick before we get right into the Word. We've got some things to share, uh, obviously. You might turn me down just a little bit. I kind of have a ring there. Uh, thank you. Uh, but some when I was in... Um, uh, California back the first part of the year, back in the first of January, <coughs> for the uh, Holy Ghost meetings there at Pastor Nancy's. Um, afterwards, we would, uh, of course, they uh, uh, have, you know, fellowship for the pastors and the ministers, and so I was reconnecting with a lot of friends that I have and and uh, was sitting there at the table. We begin to talk about a certain event. And some years ago, a number of years ago, Dr. Dufresne pastored a church in Temecula, California, I believe it was. Southern California, I believe it was Temecula. And his church was in the old Taco Bell headquarters. And uh, he was buying this building, and uh, uh, they needed $100,000 for the building to, to, to get it in their name, and then they needed a few thousand more. But for the sake of what I want to share with you, uh, that's what they needed. And so... Uh, you know, he was trying to get the money, and the money just wouldn't come. Well, a hundred businessmen, and the landlords were giving him a hard time. They were really putting the pressure on him to, to either buy the building or get out of it. And uh, so he had a hundred businessmen come and say, well, we'll each give you uh, $1,000. And he thought, you know, well, hey, praise God, that's my answer. And he started praying about it, and the Lord said, uh, you're having trouble with one landlord. How, may, how much trouble do you think you have with a hundred, you know? Or, and, and so, in any event, uh, he went on to a meeting that he was preaching at, and the Lord said to him, he said, I want you to uh, uh, have your associate minister the morning session. I want to talk to you about some things uh, concerning your finances. And so he did, and he had the man that was traveling with him go to minister, and so he was waiting on the Lord, and he was in the other room, had a suite, and he was in the other room, and he said he heard the door open. And, uh, of course, that was back in the day uh, where, you know, they might double book your room or whatever and some, give somebody a key. And so he thought that might have been what happened. And he said, I went through the, the, the sleeping area and went out into that sitting area. And he said there were two angels there. And he said they looked like they had on armor and they looked like they'd been in a conflict. And he said, I asked him, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, uh, they said to me, we're here to straighten out your finances. And he said, okay, and he just stood there, and they just stood there, and he said, uh, what are you waiting on? And they said, we're waiting on the faith command. And he said, the scripture leapt to his mind that the angels hearkened to the voice of the word. And so he said, immediately, I said, go and procure the finances that I need, for my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. And, and they left. Well, he went back home, and, and nothing seemingly had changed, and uh, about two weeks later, he was meeting with uh, uh, his lawyer concerning what they could do. And his secretary came and said, there is a, a man out here that wants to see you. And he said, I thought it was uh, someone to do with the building. 
And so I sent my lawyer out because he was handling that. And about five or ten minutes, the lawyer came in and said, I think you need to meet with this guy. And so the guy came in, had on a, 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 a sweatsuit and, you know, didn't look like, you know, a businessman or anything. And he sat down and he told the doctor, he said, uh, uh, I've been to your church and I don't like it. He said, I, I don't like your church. I don't like your preaching. He said, you're too wild for me. He said, but nonetheless, hear this. He said, nonetheless, for the last two nights, there have been two men in my bedroom telling me that I need to write you a check for $100,000. And he said, so that's what I'm here to do. Well, uh, a few weeks later, they needed something like, I forget, 30000 I think it was, more. And he had a friend preaching, and he said that he saw this guy come in the back door, back uh, of the sanctuary, and sat down. And before his friend started preaching, he pointed to that man and said, Sir, come up here and obey God. And doctor said, I wanted to grab him and say he already obeyed God. And, but the guy came up and publicly he looked at doctor and he said, uh, those two men are back and they told me you needed 30 or more thousand dollars. And so a guy that didn't even like the ministry paid off the building. Well, here's the point that I'm telling you that long story to get you here. So while we were there talking, if, if you ever talk to anyone in Fresh Oil Fellowship, that's the fellowship we're a part of, they talk about the Taco Bell angels. Well, as I was talking with those ministers, we begin to talk, and, and, and all of us came to this conclusion. Now, I've been telling my wife this. There is such an increase in activity in the spiritual realm. There's a big increase that's, that's happening. And I was on my way to Kansas last week, and I called our pastors in Raytown, Missouri, Faith Builders Pastors, because I want to see how their building were going. They were trying to get in their building, and I knew they needed a certain amount of money. They needed $16,000 to get in their building and to finish the, to bring it up to code. Well, long story short, listen how God's working. Two, well, that would have been on uh, Saturday, so it would have been the week before. They were reading the book of Dr. Dufresne that he tells that story in. And when the pastor got done reading the book, he went and got his wife and took hands and said, I want you to agree with me. We're going to send the angels to go get the money we need. And so they did. They went, sent the angels to go get the money they need. Sunday they came to church and uh, they told the congregation what they'd done. The congregation was rejoicing, thanking God for the money by faith. After service, a lady called, that's a widow, uh, the, the, the church has been very instrumental in her life. Her son was murdered, and they've really helped her. The church was very instrumental. And she said, Pastor, I wanted to tell you something. And they said, well, what do you want to tell us? She said, I heard that story. She said, two nights ago, I was watching online, and I heard you tell that story. She said, two nights ago, two men showed up in my bedroom and told me to write you a check for $16,000. Amen. Um, there's, there's increase in the spiritual realm. The, 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 the last week with that we had Lily in school before the break and, and then this weather, when I would be coming back to the office, and I, and I say this, I'm not making a doctrine out of this. I'm saying this because I know you're spiritual people, and you understand what I'm saying. I kept sensing 
there's an, there's an angel in the back seat. And so finally I said, why are you here? And the angel spoke to me and he said, I'm here to make sure what belongs to you comes to you. Amen. And I sent him to go get it. I, I want you to understand, when the Word of God tells us about our angels, our ministering spirits, your angels can sit around and twiddle their thumbs if you're not sending them out to go procure what God says belongs to you. And it could be moving events so that you can see what you need to do. It could be prompting someone to give you the money. But here's what I know. All the money that we need for everything comes to us now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe God. Say that with me. Say, all the money that I need for everything comes to me now in Jesus' name. Oh, glory. And in every case, the victory will be magnificent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe God. Well, let's go over to Hebrews 10. And we want to continue with this that we have been on. Uh, let us draw near. And, uh, you know, there's so much going on in the world that your focus is imperative. Because, you know, any good news that comes out, the world can't focus on it because there's, there's, no, uh, there's no value in it to them. I, I saw something. I don't, I don't watch the news. I mean, literally, I don't watch the news. I don't watch it at all. Uh, but I'll see a headline blurb every now and then. And, uh, you know, they, they said 39 states report a downward trend in the numbers of their virus, you know, the virus that they're dealing with. And, uh, uh, but then it said right after it, you know, but there's variants. So you just can't focus on the good news. You got to pull something else in there because what's pastor always say? If it bleeds, it leads. Remember that. The world is all about drama. They're all about stirring the pot. They're not satisfied if, if people aren't upset and worried. Our focus is on what God said. And God said none of the diseases of this world would come on us. Amen. Well, what if it does come on us and we get it off of us? We win. We recover. We, 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 we recover everything. Amen? But the point is, is that we have to focus, you have to stay focused on what God said. In Hebrews 10 and verse 22, the very first line of that says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. And so this tells us that we're not satisfied with an arm's length relationship with God. I'm not satisfied with just being saved. The goal of the Christian life is maturity. The goal of the Christian life is progression. Uh, we have a series out there called Christian Progression. And the goal is to progress, to mature, to grow up. Ephesians 4 says that the uh, five-fold ministry gifts were put in the body for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry, so that, and then it goes on and says, so that we can grow up. It says, so that we can speak the truth in love and grow up into Him. 
to be fully mature. All right? So maturity is the goal in, in the Christian life. Now, when you look here, let's go over to uh, the book of Romans 12, which is where we'll start today. And uh, one thing that I have seen in, in many cases is this, this void of doctrine in the church. And uh, doctrine is so important because uh, I've said this over and over again in this series. If your doctrine's wrong, your thinking's going to be wrong. And if you're thinking wrong, your saying is going to be wrong. And once your saying is wrong, you're really in trouble, right? And so when we begin to look at this, because we're still dealing with renewing the mind, we're still dealing with saving the soul, and when you look in the book of Romans and, and you read throughout the book of Romans, Paul says something in verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So the word beseech is better translated beg or uh, uh, entreat right, or plead with you, and notice he says, by the mercies of God. Well, what mercies of God? The mercies of God that he's outlined before he gets to this point in his letter. When you read through the book of Romans, uh, you find that in, uh, uh, for instance, chapters 1 through 3, Paul outlines that the whole world is guilty before God. That, that, that's, that's where those verses are used that people pull out of context, there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, who was he dealing with in Romans 1 through 3? He was dealing with the Jews and the Gentiles that were both saying, well, I'm better with God because I'm a Jew, or I have a better standing with God because I'm a Gentile. And Paul said, wait a minute, you don't get it. There's none righteous. In yourself, Jew or Gentile, there is none righteous, no, not one. Everybody comes to God guilty before God. Everyone. Why? Because for one sacrifice to cover everybody's sin, everybody had to be guilty. And Paul outlines that in chapters 1 through 3, that the whole world is guilty before God. In Romans 3 through 5, he outlines and, and clears justification by faith in Christ, that you are just by faith in Christ Jesus. That's good news, right? That you're made just, you're made right with God, by faith in Christ. In chapters 6 through 8, he talks about sanctification through Christ. How we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. In uh, chapter 9 through 11, he talks about the Jewish unbelief. How the, the reason that the Jews uh, 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 lost the gospel was because of their unbelief in Christ. And that their righteousness had to be a righteousness that was founded in Christ. And he goes through those whole chapters and says, My heart's desire, my cry for Israel is that they will all be saved. And he said, But what they have to do is put their faith in Jesus as their righteousness. Amen. Amen. And then uh, uh, chapter 12 through 15, he talks about Christian life and service. After he tells us how to not be guilty before God, how to be justified by faith, sanctified by faith, and he says here in Romans 12 then, in light of all I've told you, the mercies of God, here's what you need to do. Notice, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable service. 
in light of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that word present is used throughout the Greek Old Testament to reference the sacrifices that were given to the high priest. And he says, you need to present your bodies a living sacrifice in light of all God's done for you. And then he says, it's your reasonable service. Now, when we use reasonable, we think, well, you know, it, it means that just makes sense. I mean, in light of all God's done for you. Well, that is right to an extent, but it more literally means something you do intentionally. In other words, nothing's going to be done with your body if you don't do it. Nothing's going to be done with your mind if you don't do it. So he says it's something that is intentional. It's a result of your rational thinking. Presenting the body to God is something we have to decide to do. Amen. You know, I, I've been in church long enough, and especially around Pentecostal circles, long enough to hear people praying. You know, when I was growing up in church, we, it wasn't church if you didn't gather around the altar and pray. You had to gather around the altar and pray. And, and, and you'd hear people asking God to do something with what God told them to do something about it. Oh, Lord, don't let me think those thoughts. Lord, don't let me think those thoughts. Lord, don't let me think those thoughts. That's not a prayer that God can answer because he told you to cast down imaginations and you to bring thoughts into captivity. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's something that I have to do. Amen. And it's something I have to do all the time. I have to do it all the time. There are areas that the flesh wants to dominate. And I'm saying here's why. Because there are areas that the flesh wants to dominate that don't fall into the obvious categories. You know, when I was growing up in, in church, kind of funny, we'd say, you know, we don't drink, cuss, smoke, or chew, or run with girls that do. Some of y'all got it. But, but those are the obvious things. Right? Drinking, cussing, smoking. Those are the obvious things. But there are things that the flesh wants to dominate that don't fall into those categories. Notice over in 1 Corinthians 9. I know you're excited about this. Hallelujah. Notice verse 27, Paul says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. One translation says, be disqualified. So I'm not disqualified. Hallelujah. So he says that my job is to discipline the flesh, to bring it into subjection. Now, here's the thing. In subjection to what? Because he tells me that I need to bring it into subjection. In subjection to what? First of all, the reborn human spirit. When you were born again, your spirit was reborn in the image of God. When you were born again, your spirit was reborn with, and we say it this way, the attributes of God. Well, well, how is that? God is perfectly just and perfectly righteous and perfectly holy. And when you were born again, you became perfectly just, perfectly righteous, and perfectly holy. 
you received the attributes of God, you became, according to Genesis, when God created Adam, it says he breathed into him the breath of life and man became another speaking spirit. Man obtained the ability to speak into existence those things that he had need of. Amen. You received those God attributes into your life. But notice something. So the first thing is I have to bring my body into subjection to my reborn human spirit. Amen. Then I have to bring it into subjection to the Word. What does the Word say? I bring myself into subjection to the Word. Amen. I've had people ask me, well, how do you not worry? Well, you refuse to worry because the Word tells you not to. Yeah, but it's not that easy. It's just that easy. Anything the Bible tells you to do, you can do because it told you to do it. And when you act on what the Word told you to do, just because it told you to do it, faith shows up, and now you got the strength to do what the Word said to do. Amen. Hallelujah. I've heard people over the years say, well, you know, we all sin. We can't help but sin. That's a lie. That's not good doctrine. That's, that's wrong doctrine. Amen. I, I had a family tell me one time, well, you know, you can be a good Christian and not go to church. That's a lie. You are not a good Christian if you don't go to church. Why? Because you can't be. The scripture says you cannot be edified. You cannot be built up. You cannot urge one another on in love. You, amen. There are gifts that will not be imparted into your life. Paul said, I want, I want to see you so I can impart some spiritual gift into you to the end that you may be established. And then he wrote the Thessalonican church and said, I want to see your faith so I can see your face so I can perfect what's lacking in your faith. Amen. It's, it's not a knock. It's just not good doctrine. I remember one time Pastor Michelle was on a trip. She had went, I, don't, I forget what meeting you'd went to to Florida, but her and uh, uh, one of her assistants, and uh, they were in a, a, a church. If, if I named the church, named the ministry, many of y'all would remember him, very well known. And she was sitting uh, toward the front of the building, and he was preaching, and he made a statement while he was preaching. He said, well, we all lie. And he said, I lie. And then he looked at my wife, and he said, don't we, Michelle? I lie, don't you? She was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> I don't lie. Well, well, uh, 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 a few weeks, a few months later, a bunch of stuff came out about that individual, and we're not, we're not knocking them. I'm just saying that showed me when I heard that what he said about lying, and then all these other things came out with excesses of the flesh, it made sense to me. See, his doctrine was wrong. Somehow he came to the conclusion that we're, we, we all lie. But the scripture says, don't lie. Right? Remember, we, 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 we talked all those weeks on resisting the enemy. And, and we talked about how in Ephesians, Paul said, Paul said that, 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 that don't lie to one another. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Amen. So your doctrine is so important. The doctrine that you have to hold is if I see it in the Word, then I begin the implementation of it in my life. Amen. When the scripture says that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, and the wicked one cannot touch him, 
That, that's my stand. I don't sin and the devil can't touch me. Yeah, but I know good and well the devil's been touching me. Then, then you're, outside, you're, you're outside of protection somewhere. Somewhere the shield of faith has been dropped. Amen. When I was growing up, we were part of a denomination that prided ourselves on believing the whole word. Oh, my Lord, we believed the whole Bible from cover to cover, job to Malachi. We believed all of it. We even believed Pesalams. We believed everything. Amen. The maps and the index. But yet people would get up and testify. There was one dear woman, honest to God, she'd get up and testify how the devil was kicking her around like a football and just beating her up and running her down. In a church, in a church that believed that we had the power of God living on the inside of us. And then people would pray, let's pray for our dear sister that the Lord would stop the devil from running her around. There's not one New Testament scripture, you know these things, but there's not one New Testament scripture that says God or Jesus is going to do anything about the devil. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The last thing he said to the church was all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go. And the first thing he said to do is cast out devils. The first thing that he said. So it's got to be good doctrine. Bad doctrine leads to wrong thinking. Right? And then I have to bring it into subjection to the Holy Spirit. Because that's where I'm led. I'm led in my spirit by the Holy Spirit and the Word. I, I had a person get upset with me one time. They came and were telling me about the issues. I said, well, what's the Word say? And they looked at me and said, that's all you ever say. What's the Word say? Well, what do you expect me to say? I could get in the floor and grovel with you and tell you how I know you're going through a hard time and, and pat you. And there's a place for that. I understand that. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do with the Word? Because that's the answer. And I told that person, right, and if you come back in five years with another problem, I'm going to say, what does the Word say? Because that, right, that's what we've got to go back to. Oh, glory. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 6. That was worth coming to church for. And so when you don't have those things operating, you have immature Christians. Because, because you have sense, knowledge, Christians. I remember reading after E.W. Kenyon a number of years ago, and he was talking about how John wrote in 1 John, and he was talking about how the knowledge that they had, he said, we have handled him, we have seen him, uh, we've been with him. And he was talking about how John was writing about sense, knowledge, Christianity. Because then John said, you have an even deeper relationship with him because we saw him, we handled him, we talked to him, but that was elementary. 
Peter said, we heard the voice on the Mount of Transfiguration, the very voice of God. And then he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. See, that, 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 that tells me that part of maturity is moving past what I see, what I feel, what I sense, and being led by the Spirit and led by the Word, right? So 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, Paul says, notice, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Well, Paul's not talking about things that are clearly sinful here when he says all things are lawful to me. He's not saying, well, I can steal a little bit. You know, I can cuss a little bit. It's not what he's saying. <laughs> right? Well, what is he saying? Well, he's saying this. Eating is lawful. Right? Uh, Gluttony is not. Amen. He's saying, you know, like this, sex is good in marriage, but uh, not outside of marriage. And lust isn't acceptable. Right? So he's saying it's lawful. Everything that God has created for our pleasure and enjoyment is lawful, but it's not expedient. It's not helpful. It's not, everything, it's not always profitable. Amen. There are sins, you remember in Hebrews, and then there are weights. Things that are clearly sinful are obvious. That's sin. But then there are things that weigh us down. And even though they may be permissible, if God deals with you about those things, they got to be laid aside or they'll become weights to you. If something keeps coming up, God's saying, I need you to lay that aside so you can move forward. The, the move of the Spirit, the things that God wants to release in the churches, it's, it's going to come to a people that's saying, I'm growing up in the things of God because I want to be more and be more mature so God can bring a more mature move into our church and into our lives. Sometimes you go into churches and there's just a feeling of immaturity there. It's just a really shallow moving of the Spirit of God. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if somebody says, hey, let's go swimming, and they take you to a four-foot pool. You're not going swimming. You're going waiting. <laughs> you can't swim in no four-foot. You know? I mean, that, that might be good, you know, for the, for the kids. Oh, look, I'm swimming. But here you are, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and you're in four-foot talking about swimming. No, you're not. You're not swimming. That, that's why in the Old Testament, when God showed the prophet the vision about water to the ankles, water to the knees, waters to the waist, waters to the shoulders, waters to swim in, that was indicative of growing in the things of God. God wants people out to the point where they are immersed, where they are covered in the things of God and receiving everything God wants them to have. Oh, glory. The sanctified life is the person who will not be brought into subjection to the flesh. That's the sanctified life. I won't be brought into subjection to the flesh. 
Now why? This person is daily offering their body a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. Because they're, 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 they're making the statement, I'm not going to be brought into subjection. Paul said, notice what he said. He said, I'll not be brought under the power of any. Any what? Any of these things. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Romans 12. And uh, he talked about presenting your body. And then he says, uh, beginning in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. The, 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 in the Greek, the tense is present, indicative. So he's indicating the subject, the mind, and, and being conformed. And present means he's saying, stop it. Stop being conformed to this world and then be transformed. It's again and be and start being transformed. Stop being conformed and start being transformed. How? By renewing your mind. Now that tells me that I have to do something with my mind. Amen? And, and here's why. My mind was not affected in the new birth. Now, don't misunderstand me. There were some things that changed. There were some attitudes that changed. Amen. I've often told the story about Pastor Michelle getting born again and hadn't really heard the God. I mean, she, she, went to, she went to the Presbyterian church with her grandparents when she was real little and, and you know, heard some Sunday school stories. But as far as somebody presenting the plan of salvation to her, no, nobody did until she was 23 years of age. And you know her testimony. I won't tell, tell it for her, but here's my point. So she's all messed up and living the life that she was living. Well, when she went in that church on that whatever night it was, Saturday night, Friday night, I forget what it was, and, and, my, and, and my dad was preaching, and he asked her, do you want help? And she stood up, and he laid hands on her. Well, she had already been led to the Lord. The people that had her staying in her house had already led her to the Lord, but she was just as fleshly as you wanted to be. Right? So salvation had occurred, but nothing had happened to her mind. When, when she had hands laid on her, here's what left. Immediately, the, the addiction, the desire left. Right? For that. But she still desired cigarettes and still smoked for a couple weeks. I'll have her testify sometime about her attitude when she was standing outside the, the church smoking. <laughs> right? And, 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 and one, of the, one of the leaders in the church came and said, uh, uh, you don't need to be smoking out in front of the church. That doesn't look good. I, I'll let her deal with her attitude about that. But it suffice it to say, she come to understand real quick I still have some renewing of the mind to do because the, thir the first thought process was I could jump all over you 
and whoop you. Can I get an amen? Uh-huh. Well, the, the, the point is, after never having known the things of Jesus, man, that's pretty good in one night to be instantly delivered from drugs and alcohol and all that mess. But then what started happening? Then God said, okay, I've done the hard part. I've moved that out of your life. Now you got to start renewing your mind. And here's what would have happened. Had she not started renewing her mind, her flesh would have started gravitating back to those old ways of doing things. And the next thing you know, somebody would have said, well, she got an experience, but somehow she backslid. She, back, she would have backslid because she didn't renew her mind. People that backslide in church backslide because they don't renew their mind and they don't stop being conformed and start being transformed. So when I got born again, my, my mind was not affected in the new birth. That, that's why a lot of believers live and act the way they do. Their salvation's only affected their spirit. It bothers me when I hear believers talk about how they're, 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 they'll, they'll tell you how long they've been saved and then tell you about something they're still dealing with. I told somebody the other day, I said, I said, listen, you know, there are people that they pride themselves in not getting offended. I said, not getting offended is preschool Christianity. You should just not get offended. You should be unoffendable. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I have access to it whenever I want. I can love anybody as much or as little as I want to. Amen. Are you following me? At the new birth, we get relief from the burden of sin. And my God, remember when you got saved, you were just so glad. I, I don't know how old you were when you got saved, but I remember even at the young age I was, I was so glad I wasn't going to go to hell. Yeah. Whoo, glory. It, I, I didn't know what it was, but there was just such a spiritual relief on the inside of me. Because that when A.J. Lewis preached that message that night, I knew at eight years old, I'm, if I die, I'm going to go to hell. I am not saved. I'm not right with God. Amen. People say, how much sinning could you have done? It wasn't how much sinning I could have done. I was born a sinner. I was born. That's the purpose of good doctrine. Everybody was born a sinner. You were born in that state. Amen. And when I got saved, it was just a relief. That boy, I'm born, born again. Whoo, glory. Right? It's like when you've done something wrong and you know you need to tell the person that you're wrong and you know you need to get it right. And when you finally do it, they might get mad at you. They might get upset with you. But boy, there's just a, whew, such a relief because you told the truth. Right? Amen. But uh, it didn't change my thinking. I say it didn't change my thinking. The renewing of our mind is a process and it is it's a process that's expected and required by God where believers are concerned God expects it and requires it amen we're to continually renew our minds where in line with what in line with the Word of God because people complicate this. Let me show you in one statement what the renewing of the mind is. The renewing of our mind is simply this. This is what the Bible says, so I have to change my thinking. 
That's it. This is what the Word says, so i got to change my thinking to line up with the Word. Think about this. Before, before God, before God, uh, helped Abraham and Sarah conceive Isaac. He had made them the promise before. And they were, they were believing God, if you will. But then Sarah came to Abraham and said, Look, you know, I don't know why this isn't working, but uh, here, here's uh, Hagar. Right? Now, it's easy for us, knowing the end result, to look and say what Abraham should have said. But he, you know what he should have said? No, this is what God said. That this child is going to come from your womb and out of my body. So, I, yeah, I, you're right, I'm involved, but you got to stay involved. So the renewing of the mind is simply this. This is what the Bible says. So I have to change my mind to think like the Bible. Is that right? But what do you hear so often in church? Well, this is what I was taught. Well, let me say this the nicest way I know how. Who cares what you were taught? If, if, it, if it doesn't line up with the word, who cares? But I've, I've had people say that to me. I mean, their mindset is pretty much this, Bible or no Bible. This is what I was taught. <laughs> Amen. But listen, if my mind is not currently being renewed by the word, I'm falling behind in God. If my mind is not being renewed, I'm falling behind. Because there's things that God wants to move me into. There's things that God wants to bring into my life. Hallelujah. That word renewing. There's a uh, Greek scholar by the name of Thayer. And this is what he says about it. He says that the renewing is a renewal, renovation, a complete change for the better. A renewal or a renovation, a complete change for the better. So, in other words, I used this illustration before. It's not just like when you come in and, and you want to spruce up a room, you kind of put old uh, new paint on old paint, you know, and kind of, you know, you, you, you put up new draperies on the same walls. A renovation is not repainting. A renovation is making something entirely different. A renovation, a renewal. Complete change for the better. Hallelujah. And he says, by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove, right? What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You can prove it. You can put it to the test. When your mind's renewed. You won't know the will of God with an unrenewed mind. Now, 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 why? Because it says the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, those are three adjectives to describe the will of God. The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. But how many times have you heard people with wrong doctrine talk about the will of God in terms of how hurtful and harmful and uh, uh, challenging it is 
when Paul says it's good, acceptable, and perfect. Are there challenges in the will of God? Yes, but there's more out of the will of God. Can it be difficult in the will of God? Difficult on your flesh, but much more difficult on your flesh outside the will of God. Amen. Where does the pressure come from in your life? Your mind. It's amazing how the pressure doesn't affect you the more you renew your mind. Amen. Isn't, isn't, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that there are things that you can go through that other people go through and they lost it and you made it? Not just because you're tougher, not just because you're stronger, your mind is renewed to the Word of God. I, I, I used this illustration not too long ago about being redeemed. I remember the day that that scripture in Galatians 3.13 stood up and looked at me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And it became so clear to me that anything that had to do with the curse of the law, I was redeemed from it. And if I'm redeemed from it, if the price has already been paid, there's no sense in me paying the price. And that was the last time any of those things had any victory over me because I'm redeemed. And when they try to encroach, I stand up and I say, no, 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 I'm redeemed from that. My mind is renewed to the fact that I'm redeemed. Right? But there are people in religious churches that when something comes on them, they think, what's God trying to teach me? Well, this sickness came on me. God must be trying to teach me something or I did something wrong or I sinned real big or something, right? I, I knew a minister, God bless him, loved the Lord with all of his heart. But every time he would go through a financial problem, he would begin to see if he was out of the will of God. Well, being in a financial problem can be because you're out of the will of God. But it's not the only reason why you can face a financial challenge. Have you not yet figured out the devil doesn't like you? The devil hates you. The devil hates the church. He hates Christians. And he does whatever he can do to try to stop the moving forward of God's people or God's church. But when you have renewed your mind to the fact that, first of all, he's a defeated foe. He has no power over me. God supplies all of my needs. You just go through that challenge with a renewed mind knowing that by faith, everything's going to turn your way. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. See, when I begin to renew my mind, I can prove this. Oh, God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. God's will is perfect. Amen? Hallelujah. But I can't know the will of God for my life if I don't renew my mind with the Word. I, I can't know the will of God for my life. I'll have people come and say, well, Pastor, I just need to know the will of God for my life. Well, you've got to get in the Word and find it. Re renew your mind to this. The way things have always come are the way they'll always come. Amen. There, there's no quick fix. You've got to do what the Word says. Hallelujah. Amen. When, when you read through the Word of God and it talks about the way the believer is to pray and the way the believer is to study and the way the believer is to do certain things in their lives, you, if you're doing it that way according to what the Word says, you'll get the Word results. Amen. Hallelujah. 
as we get into the Word, the Spirit leads us in line with the Word. You get in the Word, then the Spirit can lead. See, if you don't know the Word, there's nothing for the Spirit to lead you in line with. And so then the enemy or people can convince people that this is how it should be. But once you get in the Word, hallelujah. Again, I was, I was raised Pentecostal and I'm grateful for my heritage. But we were a struggling people. Oh, Lord. Struggling. I mean, the preachers thought it was some kind of pious religiosity to have one suit in the closet. Amen. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, they, they would come to church dressed in that one suit and come with their wife. You thought it was their mom, but it was their wife. <laughs> because they, they, they never had a new dress, never had a hairstyle. Never, I mean, Amen. You'd go in that church saying, what what all these men marry their grandma for? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad it's not that way in our churches. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, 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 but you understand? That 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 was so that was that that was the enemy keeping that church and keeping those people in a state of poverty because the head was in a state of poverty thinking it was the will of God. And what you think is what you'll preach and what you preach is what the people get. Amen. And, and so we love the Lord with all of our heart. But poor, I mean downtrodden. We love those songs. Here I wander like a beggar. Amen. Don't have nothing on this earth, but heaven's my home. Well, glory to God. I wonder how many of those people are going to get to heaven and they see all that they've got in heaven and God says to them, I wanted you to have all this that you see on earth. I believe those are, this is just my, my belief. I believe that those are some of those people that Jesus is going to have to wipe the tears out of their eyes because they are so saddened by what they see they could have walked in. Amen. Evangelists used to come to the church on bald tires. I'm not talking about thin. I mean bald. Mufflers bailing wired up. My dad finally got delivered to that poverty mentality. Thank God. He got a hold of a Brother Copeland, and the Lord helped him. But we, we used to travel to churches, and his best friend, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, Norman Gallimore, we went to his church, ended up having a, oh my Lord, we had a, I forget, six, eight-week revival there. It was tremendous. But we pulled up in, in our car, and he remarked to his wife the first night he met our family and said, I wouldn't go around the block in that car. I wouldn't have either. I didn't have a choice. The thing was wired together, no, no bald tires all over it. And here's what we would do. We would pray that somehow God would come through with a miracle. And God in His graciousness would. And, and another car would come. But then we'd run it in the ground. Hallelujah. I remember one time Pastor uh, uh, Caldwell told the story, and he's told this publicly, so I'm not doing anything that he, that he would disprove of. He, he, uh, he had a certain motorcycle. 
and uh, I forget how much many miles he said he had on it. But anyway, uh, uh, Brother Copeland asked him, said, so when are you going to get a new bike? And he said, well, this one only has such and such thousand miles on it. And Brother Copeland said, where is it written? You've got to ride the thing in the ground before you get a new one. Now, my point is, you may not think that way along those lines, but I'm telling you, that's where I came from. And so consequently, we get married, and we both have this struggle mentality, this poverty mentality, and so we struggled. Amen. Why? Our doctrine was wrong. Our mind wasn't renewed. Right? In line with the Word. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit will always point you to the Word. What does the Word say? Amen. Look, look, look at Isaiah 55. Oh, thank you, Lord. And that's why when somebody tells you, well, you're one of them prosperity guys, don't get upset with them. Their mind's just not renewed. <laughs> they have a deficiency in their mind. <laughs> if they stay with the word, it'll get renewed. Notice verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than earth, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I have to say this. Notice he didn't say we couldn't think his thoughts. But he said, your thoughts are not, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God, understand this, God gave you his word so you can know how he thinks. If, if, if I look in the word, I can see how God thinks. Hallelujah. Then, once you know how he thinks, his thoughts can become your thoughts. But I got to know how he thinks. Hallelujah. But there are multitudes of people that go to church and, and, and go to church on Sunday morning. I, I, I've told you this story over and over again, but it, it bears repeating. We had a woman come to the church that had been diagnosed with cancer. And every time she would come and get up under the word for any extended period of time, her, her, her vitals would go up, her health would start returning. But she went to a church and every time she would go back, her, she didn't want, her husband didn't want to leave the church they'd been in for ever how many years. And she went to the pastor of that church and told him what I'd been preaching. That God wanted you well. That God wanted you whole. Here's what he told her. Here's what he said to her. He said, you want to be very careful trying to get rid of something that God might be using to teach you a lesson. Well, you know, it's easy to say, well, there, he's a horrible pastor. He's a pastor with an unrenewed mind. He's not renewed his mind to the fact that he said Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases and with his stripes we're healed. Do you see this? He can't, you can't think like God if you don't know what God's word says. 
There, there's a couple in our church that his, uh, his uh, 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 wife was diagnosed with a severe heart condition. And uh, 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 they took, took her to the hospital. And, uh, of course, I had been up there with them, but I, I called him the next day. And I said, so what's the good word? What's the good report? And he said, well, uh, you know, gave, gave me some good positive words. And I said, based on what scripture? And there was silence on the other end of the phone. You can have a positive confession, but if you don't have scripture to back up what you're positive about, then you're just, you're just positive thinking like some in the world do. I've got to have the scripture that, is, that my confession is based on. And he told me later, he said, I had to admit after you called me, I didn't know I wasn't standing on anything of the work. He said, I was depending on your faith. And he said, I had to get in the Word and get my own faith. Amen. What does the Word say? Am I helping you with this? If God's thoughts are, are, are not our thoughts, then our ways can never be God's ways. If I'm not thinking like God thinks, I can never act like God acts. And so, see, some in our circles have come under fire. I remember Charles Capps came under such fire because, uh, because he talked about doing what God did. That when you think like God thought and you spoke like God spoke, you would get the results God received. And people say, he thinks he's God. He's talking about we're God. No, when you think the way God thinks, you'll act the way God acts and you'll speak the way God speaks. I mean, how, does, how, do we, how, do, how do believers get that scripture that says that, that, that he that's born of God sinneth not and the wicked one doesn't touch him? How, how, do we, how do we get that into operation in our life? It's what the word says. You begin to renew your mind to that. I don't have to sin. There's nothing that says I've got to sin. There's nothing that says the flesh has to lord over me. As a matter of fact, the Bible more often says that it will not lord over you. If you do what? Renew your mind. You know, when you're learning a new language, you know, you know the biggest problem is thinking in that language. Because there's certain things that mean different things. And you've, you've got to be able to think that way. If you're trying to speak Spanish thinking like an American, thinking like an English speaker, it's not going to make sense. This whole renewing of the mind, this is part of you learning to speak a new language. And, and a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Well, how, 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 how can I go through every day and, and, and not feel that way or not fall prey to that or whatever the case may be because according to the scripture see you're you're constantly going back to what the scripture says a lot of believers will say when something's pointed out to them from the word well this is what i believe well i repeat who cares if 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 this is what scripture said if you say something and scripture says something else somebody's lying and i choose you because this is, this is what the scripture says. I had a guy tell me one time, I was leading some men to the Lord. And this guy got, just really got bristled up and he goes, born again. And I said, yeah. He goes, church I went to never talked nothing about nothing about being born again. 
I thought, well, dear Lord, there's your problem right there. <laughs> but he didn't care what the Word said about being born again because that wasn't how he was taught. Amen. Well, think about this. Thinking our thoughts simply keeps us in the babyhood stage. It just keeps you from maturing. We've got to humble ourselves and receive his thoughts. Amen. What was that Brother Copeland said? He said he knew a great man of prayer. And this man of prayer was on his face one day telling God all of his problems. And he said, suddenly the thought came to me. Here lies a fool that needs everything. Tell him the one who knows everything how to do it. Amen. I got to humble myself and receive his thoughts. Look, 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 look at James 1. I know we've, we've been to this verse a lot in this series, but it's worth going back to. This is important. And, and you know, this is where a lot of believers miss it. I, I saw some evidence of this growing up. My mother, my mother is, my mother's not a teacher. My mother's a preacher, all right? Uh, uh, just a good preacher and uh, uh, one of my favorite preachers. But I saw this growing up. Uh, she could go into certain churches, and they didn't care how many miracles happened in her ministry. They didn't care how powerful the Holy Spirit moved. She's a woman, and she can't preach. And if you were to ask them to show you from the Word of God, they'd come up with a one-liner, you know, that women ought to keep silent in the church. But then they'd have women singing and women teaching Sunday school and let women testify and have women doing other things, you know, not being silent in the church. See, their theology's all off. My dad would say a lot of people don't like women preachers because women can out-preach them. So maybe that's right. I don't know. But, but, but here's my point. That's not what the Scripture says. That's what somebody thought the Scripture said or somebody said the Scripture said. But here's my point. How many women have been relegated to silence and not being able to operate in the gift that God called them into because they went to an unrenewed mind pastor's church that kept them silent and wouldn't let them operate in the flow of the gift of God in their life. Hallelujah. In, 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 in other denominations, and, and I'm not advocating divorce, I'm just making a statement. In other denominations, if you've been through a divorce, you can't preach anymore. Well, I mean, that's not Bible. Divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Well, but it's a sin. Does God forgive sin? Then we believe He forgave you whatever sin you had committed before you were born again and removed it and forgot it. And you want us to just accept you like it never happened. Then renew your mind to this. Somebody can go through a divorce and somebody can make a mistake and their marriage can fail. The anointing of God hadn't left their life. The call of God hasn't left their life. Are you with me? But, but there are people that have not been able to fulfill the call of God on their life 
Because there's somewhere where somebody goes, well, this is what we believe. But you don't have any scripture for it. Well, the Bible says if you get a divorce and you get remarried, you're committing adultery. That's not what Jesus said. You need to read your Bible. The scribes and Pharisees came to him and said, Master, is it lawful for us to put away our wife for any cause? Now think about that. Put her away. He mentioned putting away and divorce in two separate connotations. Put her away. In other words, these men would come home just didn't like their wife, and they just put her away and then give her a bill of divorcement. And Jesus said, if you do that, and then you go find another one because they wanted to put her away to have another one, and then you put her away to go get you another one, you're committing adultery because you didn't have any reason to do that. Are you following me? I'm not preaching on home and family living. I'm saying, that, do you see how people with unrenewed minds, just because that's what they were taught? If you get your mind right about the things of the Word of God, divorce will be the last thing that you'll have to worry about in your marriage because you're walking in the love of God. But to keep people in a place of bondage because my mind is not renewed, and this is just what I think, this is what we believe. Amen. Hallelujah. In the denomination I grew up in, it was a sin for men to have a beard or a mustache. If you were a preacher, you couldn't have no beard or mustache. In that denomination, you couldn't wear boots and preach. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? Now, people say, that's extreme. There's just as many extreme things going on in the church today because people's minds aren't renewed. Hallelujah. So James says, notice, James 1, 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, that is uh, 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 wicked living, and superfluity of naughtiness, abundance, the filthiness is actually moral dirtiness, superfluity of naughtiness, abundance of wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say something, present company excluded, but there are a lot of believers that lead very dirty lives. Very dirty lives. And here's why. People say, well, are they believers? They are, they're believers, but they're leading a very dirty life. Because according to Scripture, they have not received with meekness. You see, you've got to receive his thoughts with humility. This is what the Word says. So there are believers that, that lead a real dirty life. And uh, the answer is not in just trying harder. The answer is receiving the Word. Notice what he said. Receive with meekness the engrafted Word that's able to save your soul. Well, the renewing of the mind is how the soul gets saved. The, the more your mind is renewed, the more like God you become. Meekness means humility, but it also means this, open-mindedness. Now, the Word will get deep inside of us if we'll be humble enough to let it change the way we think. 
If I don't let it change the way I think, this is where it stops. It never gets in me. The Amplified Bible says, The implanted word rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. But notice these, these phrases, implanted and rooted. Implanted and rooted. Remember when, when Jesus told, let me see my time. Oh, I'm good. When Jesus told this parable and he talked about this parable being in the context of how the word operates in the kingdom. And it, we call it the parable of the sower. But he made a statement about the word. In the very first uh, uh, illustration, he said there was that person that the seed was scattered on the hard ground, the hard pack. It, it, when you look at that in the Greek, uh, the Woos Bible says it's the, the road or the trail between two fields where people walk, the hard pack. The seed was sowed there. And he said that the fowls came and took it. And when he was explaining that to the disciples, he said in Matthew 13, he said, whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, well, why wouldn't you understand it? Because you never gave it enough thought and attention to let it change the way you were thinking. I've had people tell me before, I, I try to read the Bible, but I don't understand it. Well, your mind's not renewed to it. You know, me giving you a reading plan will help you, but it won't help you understand the Word. The Word is spiritually understood. And so my point is, is James is saying here that for the Word to have an effect on your soul and on your mind, it's, it's got to get beyond just laying on the surface. Because that's why somebody will come and they'll get a hold of the Word and they'll get excited and boy, they'll be, just be joyful. And if they don't stay in the Word and let it get on the inside of them, then the enemy's going to come and try to take the Word that was sown in their heart. And if it's just laying there on the top, he'll take it. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see this? Implanted and rooted in your hearts. That, that, that Word contains the power to save your soul. So what does that mean? Don't approach any church service or the Bible or God with a closed mind. Amen. Well, this is how I believe it. I, I used to know a guy that, that was having all kinds of trouble. And no, no matter what you preach, he would catch you after church sometimes. And he'd say, well, I, you know, I, I enjoyed what you said. But here's how I see it. You know, I never said it. I, I probably should have, but I never did. But I wanted to say, you know, in light of all what a mess your life is in, I could really care less how you see it. I didn't say that, but I wanted to. <laughs> right? Because the Word was not taking root. So the mind wasn't being changed. If I'm not receiving with meekness the Word, that's able. Now notice, he says here, that is able to save your soul. Well, that is just like the scripture that we've also often read where it says, and God is able to make all grace abound unto you that you always have in all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. 
people will say, well, God's able to do anything. Well, they haven't said that much. Because to make the statement that God, who is all-powerful, can do anything, you haven't said that much. He's all-powerful. It's when you get to the place where God's ability is operating in your life, now it's changing you. Because James says the word is able to save your soul. Didn't say it would. It's able. It will to the person that will let it get in their heart and renew their mind. But just because God can do something is not an indicator that he will. I have to allow it. it, it every, all of it comes through faith. And so when you're in the Word of God and you're reading the Word of God, your heart said is, I am receiving the engrafted Word and it's changing my mind. It's renewing my mind. Amen? When the Word identifies something that needs to change, be humble enough to make the change. Be humble enough to make the change. I remember one time I was dealing with a situation with a person and uh, it had to do with a marriage situation and this person texted me and was telling me some things and, and finally, you know, I, I told him, I said, uh, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. <laughs> you need to repent for lying. You need to repent for hiding things. You need to repent for not doing your part. You know what the Bible says? Remember when the, when the two stood before, before the Lord, the, the Pharisee and the publican? And the Pharisee said, Lord, I give my tithe and I do this and I come to church and I do all these things. You know I'm paraphrasing. And he said, I thank you that I'm not like him. You imagine standing next to church with somebody praying with you and they go, Lord, thank you that I'm not like him. I mean within earshot, I'm grateful that I'm not like them. And it said, you remember the publican, that he wouldn't even lift his head? He just smote his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think went home justified? The publican. Why? Because of his humility. Whatever it is, Lord, you're right. Whatever it is, you're right. Lord, you're pointing that out. You're right. Well, you, you got frustrated the other day with so-and-so. See, this is not humility. Yeah, Lord, but what they did to me. No, 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 no. No, Lord, you're right. I reacted wrong to that. What, what just happened? Your mind started getting renewed. Well, that's hard. It's hard because you're fighting it. It's hard because you're resisting it. The flesh likes to do flesh things. And one thing the flesh likes to do is feel sorry for itself and feel like it's the victim and nobody knows. Right? You know what that is? That's pride. Nobody knows what I'm going through. If they knew, they don't. They probably will eventually because you'll tell them. Amen. Amen. Is this okay? Let me try to wrap up with this. I've known pastors before, and I would warn them. They'd get up in front of their church and tell them what a heavy load they were under and how burdensome it was. Oh, it's just a rough, oh, 
I'm just working, working my fingers to the bone. You know what you get if you work your fingers to the bone? Bony fingers. But the, the point is, they just work, oh, I'm just, I'm just, oh. And you know, their congregation started looking at them different. They wanted somebody to feel sorry for them. I'm going to make a statement. Don't you ever feel sorry for me. Don't, I, I'm going to say this even deeper. Don't ever feel sorry for nobody. Don't placate their flesh. Amen. Amen. Expect nothing and be thankful for everything. I am entitled to nothing and I'm grateful for everything. Where we are concerned, we have a strict no whining policy. We don't whine. Amen. Yeah, but what if you got to do this? Then you have to do it. You renew your mind and you go do it. I remember when we, when we, had, when we had first been married and uh, I was working at the Piggly Wiggly in the, in the meat department. And I, I'd, I'd moved up. I started their stocking shelves and, and moved up to uh, uh, the meat department. Well, they came one day and they needed an honest person. Well, I'm honest. And, and, and they needed an honest person to come in uh, uh, each day of the week and uh, five days of the week. And on two days, they needed that person to uh, scrub the floors and buff them. And the other three days, buff the floors. Well, you had to come in at 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, from where we lived, we lived in Madison, Tennessee at the time. And, and I had to drive to Hendersonville, so it was a good 30 minutes. So I had to leave the house at 3.30 in the morning. You know I didn't whine? My family needed the money. Oh, if you could have saw the apartment we were living in. But the point is, we needed the money. No whining. Don't feel sorry for me. Oh, you got to leave at 3.30 in the morning. I'm getting paid to be there. Hey. Right? The flesh wants you to feel sorry for yourself. The flesh wants you to feel like everybody's against you. And then the enemy will get in there and destroy you. The enemy, God can't bless you in spite of you, and the devil can't destroy you without you. When God wants to bless you, he needs you to get involved. When the devil wants to destroy you, he needs you to get involved. And here's how he gets involved. Feel bad for yourself. Feel sorry for yourself. Nobody knows. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. No, don't do that. Tell your neighbor, say, don't do that. And when God puts his finger on that, deal with it. I say deal with it. Is that right? Why? Because, because it's, it's got to change. I've got to renew my mind to it. Over and over again, that's what the scripture says, that the person that makes much of themselves is going to fall. And when you start feeling sorry for you and all the attention you wanted on you, you're making much of you. Amen. Well, if you, if you only knew, but me, if me, would me knowing really change it? And I'm under such financial pressure and nobody cares. Really? God doesn't care? 
God didn't give you provision after provision after provision to meet your need. God cares. God cares. The, Bible, the Bible says that, that a bird doesn't fall from the sky, that God doesn't know it. And then Jesus said, how much more valuable are you to God than birds? He knows everything you need. He knows every, every insufficiency or lack that you have. And he says, I will supply all of your need according to my riches. All you've got to do is humble yourself and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Amen. So if the word identifies that, be humble enough to change it. Be humble enough to change it. Glory to God. Do you see that? Oh, thank you, Lord. I believe God. I believe God. There's more we could say, but we'll be back together again. Praise the Lord. God is